Welcome back to season two of the Ivy League Prep Academy podcast, equipping you to successfully pursue the college of your dreams. We believe everyone deserves to reach their full potential and the admissions process shouldn't hold you back. Hello and welcome back everyone. This is part two of this kind of bonus session of the podcast where I take a recent masterclass that we did in my Facebook group and I share just a sneak peek into that masterclass. The reason I'm doing this is because I think this message is really, really important. I think it's valuable for my listeners. And at least right now, I have thousands more listeners of my podcast than I do members of my Facebook group. And so if you like this masterclass, you like the material, please feel free to join the Facebook group and share your voice and your wisdom with our community. I love, love, love having caring, kind, competent parents or parents who feel like they're just wondering what they should be doing and hoping for guidance. I love all these kinds of parents joining the Facebook group so that we can help each other help our teens. They need it and they deserve it. So the name of the Facebook group is Parents of Ambitious Teens, Personal Growth and Healthy College Prep. And the faster way to get there, you of course, you can type in the name into Facebook to find that Facebook group, join the group there. A faster way to get there is the URL tilc.to forward slash fb. TILC stands for the Ivy League Challenge. So tilc.to forward slash FB. And of course, FB stands for Facebook. This is part two where we talk about how to develop capital C confidence or the confidence that if you bring yourself to the equation, you can solve any problem, even if you don't have the skills yet. Let's listen in. Imagine that you are in a room that is 10 degrees below freezing. There is ice in the room, and your job is to melt the ice. And so you work as hard as you can to raise the temperature in the room. And after working tremendously hard, you do raise the temperature in the room. You raise it by an entire degree. And now the room is nine degrees below freezing. And if you, at that stage, look at the ice to try to decide if your work is paying off, you will decide that your work is not paying off. You've worked so hard, you've raised the temperature in the room to negative nine or to nine degrees below zero, below freezing, excuse me. And the ice looks exactly the same as it did at 10 degrees below freezing. And so maybe you are diligent. Hopefully you have a coach and the coach knows that you are 10 degrees below freezing. And so they know that you're nowhere near the point where you're going to see the ice melt and they can begin to show you other things, other pieces of evidence that you are improving, even though the ice is not melting. That will help you, right? To know that you are improving when your evidence is not there. The ice is not melting in front of you. To you, it looks like nothing has happened. To a coach who recognizes the one degree shift in the room, something obvious and important has happened. And so you continue to work so hard and you raise the temperature to eight degrees below freezing and seven degrees below freezing and six degrees and five degrees and four degrees and three degrees and two degrees below freezing. And all of that takes time and all of that takes effort. And still the ice looks exactly the same. There is no difference in the ice at one degree below freezing compared to 10 degrees below freezing, at least not visually. You cannot see any difference. And then you raise the temperature just one more degree and you get it to the freezing point, which also happens to be melting point. And for the first time, the ice will begin to appear different. And if you can just raise the temperature 
0.1 degrees from the melting point, you're going to see even more difference. And 0.1 degrees from there, you're going to see even more difference. And raising the temperature 0.1 degrees is so much easier than raising it an entire degree, which is what you've been doing. And every time you raise the temperature 0.1 degrees, the ice just seems to melt faster and faster, and you begin to develop confidence, right? You begin to re recognize that your effort is paying off because the ice melts quickly once you get the temperature to a degree or two above freezing. That is the valley of disappointment. So this is a graph that shows what we think is going to happen. You see this line here is linear. It is moving straight from one point to another. There's no bend in it. And when we begin learning something new, we often believe that our growth is going to occur on this linear path. We believe that the more time we spend doing this thing, the better the results are going to be. We spend time practicing and we're going to have a linear effect. Our results are going to go up with that time. Unfortunately, that is never true when you're learning a new skill. You expect that that will happen, but what actually happens is you begin and you don't see any improvement for a while. You just don't have the skills, but you don't you don't have the neural network in your brain. You don't have the muscle memory in your body to begin getting those results. And so what happened? You doubt yourself. You wonder if you're ever going to be good enough, right? You doubt yourself. You wonder if you're going to be good enough. You don't know if this is going to work. And you stay in a, for a prolonged period inside of this valley of disappointment where your results are far, far, far below your expectations. And if you can stick with it, and if you can be strategic, and if you know that there's a valley of disappointment, then that leads to uppercase C confidence, where you know that you're just in the valley of disappointment, that's okay. You haven't developed this skill yet, that's okay. It's totally normal. And at some point, when the temperature in the room shifts from below freezing to the melting point, and then above freezing, your results begin to skyrocket. And this begins to look exponential. It, it just blows you away, right? You have no, uh, no way to, to fully appreciate just how quickly you begin to learn once all the neural networks are formed in your brain, once the, mem the muscle memory begins to, to, to take hold in your body, and your brain and body kind of know how to do the thing, your results grow very, very quickly, okay? And you start to see those results and they're amazing. I just want to share really quickly the first foreign language that I learned when I was in school, in high school, we did not, we were not required to learn foreign language. That's, you can tell the difference between now, those of you who are teenagers listening in, you might be envious, might, maybe not. Uh, but when I was in high school, we did not, I mean, some people learned a foreign language, some people didn't. I did not. I never took a single foreign language class. And my first foreign language, I began at age 19. And I could not believe how difficult it was. I learned Romanian. Uh, I just couldn't believe how difficult that language was. And it just absolutely crushed me. Uh, but I stuck with it. I had outstanding teachers. I had a very important reason to learn. I was, I was living in Romania. Um, and it was very important for me to figure it out. And eventually, this enough neural networks were formed that I moved out of the Valley of Disappointment and saw exponential growth. And by the time I had been in Romania for about a year and a half, two years, uh, people believed that I was Romanian. 
And that was a, an outstanding result that I did not expect even months into beginning to learn the language. Well, here's why that's important. Three years later, at age 22, I began learning my second foreign language. And that second foreign language was Mandarin Chinese. And I took a class in college with other students who also were beginning language learners. They had never learned uh, Mandarin. And I knew that the Valley of Disappointment was coming when many of my classmates did not. Almost everyone who began learning Mandarin with me quit within the first year. They weren't prepared for the Valley of Disappointment. And uh, I mean, I'm not going to speak Mandarin on, on this call, but I can give this training in Mandarin. I can teach everything that we're talking about right now. I can do it in Mandarin. In fact, I, I read, read textbooks and wrote essays in Mandarin a few years later when I went to medical school in Mandarin so I could learn traditional Chinese medicine. I, I dropped out after a year because I had a job opportunity that was fantastic. Uh, but I, I actually attended college with, with Mandarin speaking uh, with everyone. I mean, everyone was Chinese in, in, my, in my college class. I was able to get the exponential results in part because I knew what the Valley of Disappointment felt like. And that is so important. One of the first things that as a parent, you're going to have to pick your battles always, right? And we'll talk about this at the end. Uh, with your preteens, with your early kids, your preteens and your teenagers, you're going to have to learn how to pick your battles. And one of the battles that I think is important, that is worth fighting as young as possible, is developing a skill. It doesn't have to be music, but music is a really, really good one. Learning the violin or the piano or some other instrument is a really, really powerful experience because it is hard. <laughs> it's very, very difficult to learn an instrument well. And getting a coach and putting the time in and being disciplined and you as the parent, I've never been challenged more in my life than trying to help my teen or my, my child learn violin. It challenges you as the parent, but you understand the valley of disappointment as you go through this process. And a teenager who does not understand the valley of disappointment is going to have a hard time developing skills later on, okay? We have to be able to develop skills in order to develop capital C competence, all right? So understanding this idea, this, this entire, the, the, the psychology of skill acquisition and the fact that the neuroscience around this idea of, of expected results versus actual results and the fact that there is a valley of disappointment that is prolonged from the time we began until the time we start to break through and we hit melting point, right? We hit the, the point where the, the ice begins to melt. That time period is real for everyone. And the, the difference is some people have been through it before. And so they know when they learn a new skill that they've got this period that's kind of awkward and they're okay with that, right? They know they're gonna be awkward before they're good. And we'll talk about that in a second as well. But it is exciting because once you've been through this before, you know that the ice melts quickly. Once you hit melting point, results happen very quickly and they build on each other. And if you have the mindset of now that I'm getting these results, now I can, I can double down and focus just as much or even more because these results are going to happen quickly because I have enough of those networks formed in my brain and in my body that now those networks can fire and I can continue feeding the brain those specific things that allow those networks to fire together, that's going to lead to mastery. 
and we get results very, very quickly. And moving out of the valley of disappointment is just a beautiful, beautiful thing. Okay, that is where people have tremendous confidence. Okay, so uppercase confidence, that's lowercase confidence, getting through the valley of disappointment and developing that skill. Uppercase confidence is just as important, perhaps more important. And learning to be good at something is not about being good at it right away. It's about being willing to be bad at it first. And that mindset shift, understanding the valley of disappointment, and then just having that phrase at your disposal. If you want to be good at something, you have to be willing to be bad at it first. Those two things, the understanding plus this one set phrase for self-talk can lead to uppercase confidence. It gives you the strength that you need to move forward. So confidence is not about being good at something, at least this uppercase C confidence. It is about not fearing being bad at it. As long as I am not afraid to be bad at a thing, then I can be confident. If I'm not afraid to be bad at it first, then I can have this upper C confidence, all right? So how do we get to the point where we're not afraid to be bad at it first? All three, I believe, master classes that we have done, we have talked about mindset. The mindset that we instill in our children and that we develop for ourselves, if you're listening in as a teenager, your mindset, that's up to you at this stage, right? As a young child, the parents have a lot more to do with it. As a teenager, it's already up to you. Your mindset around failure is going to dictate how confident you are. So I hope you enjoyed that little sneak peek into the masterclass that is all about helping you help your teens. And so I'll continue to present new masterclasses in the future. Like I said before, we've already done two before this one. And the next one is about academic confidence, how to give your teen or preteen the skills to be confident in school. That is absolutely critical. And that's the next masterclass that's coming up uh, next month. So I'll see you in the Facebook group, Parents of Ambitious Teens, Personal Growth and Healthy College Prep. See you there. Music for this episode came from We Are Here by Declare P. I'm Steve Gardner. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and share with a friend. Thanks for listening.